Hello everyone. We are back. We're up for discussion and we're going to focus in on who God is as wisdom, our teacher, the one who sourced everything that we can think of related to the mountain of education. And specifically, we're continuing on in our series about echoing a new narrative on the mountain of education. And we are, as usual, going to be referring to our book, Rise, a Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. Um, you can find that on our bookstore. I don't think it's currently in print, but it will be again soon. And we also... Um, they can get it online. I mean, they can... Um, what do you call ebook? it? ebook. That's the word. Yes, you can. And... We also, you'll find at the end of this book that we refer to something that we call the Rise Global Community. I always have the hardest time saying community, <laughs> community. And um, we have an app that goes with that. We are so close to launching it. It's actually already available on the um, Apple uh, store, app store, but um it will be like really, truly ready to go. We got a bunch of people in there right now helping us uh, troubleshoot. We are at the tail end of being ready to launch that. But the whole purpose of these discussions, as well as this book, which is a prerequisite to being an active member within the Rise Global community on the Rise app, the whole purpose of all of this is to equip you and to encourage you, provoke you if necessary, to be who God created you to be, where he created you to be, who you are. And hint, it's not typically within the four walls of the church. Right. We're called to be there, to launch from there, and be world changers. But um, being a world changer is nuanced according to what area of culture yeah. you were created to impact. So these series and really everything that we create, mm -hmm. all of our resources are all about um, getting you ready in a nuanced way to fulfill the call of God that's on your life. So today we're, as we said, focusing in on the mountain of education. Want to start by just kind of describing, you know, what are, what are, who all can have impact on this mountain? Well, obviously, teachers are the obvious. Um, so we, we think of our school system. And so somebody who has a call to be a teacher clearly is uh, one who has an assignment on the mountain of education. There are, kind of related to it, those who write curriculum are actually, mm -hmm. we'll say a little, potentially, depending where you're at, higher um, sphere of influence even because if it's something that begins to go viral then uh, you have expanded from just one classroom this is now something being reproduced in multiple classrooms you have sort of a hybrid um, individual on the mountain of education somebody like prince principal of a school mm -hmm. i say hybrid because they're they're on the mountain of education but even uh, i think properly functioning a principal in the school system is is more like a pastor um, that's more more the function of how they are there but it is on the mountain of education so it could still be considered a call to the mountain of education but in a role of um, in a pastoral role sh shepherding role mm -hmm. anybody else you're thinking of well um 
yeah, there's, you know, school boards. Um, there's, mm. there's so many people that influence and that's just yeah. thinking of like local elementary high schools. Then you get into the whole, um, you know, secondary levels of school and, and universities and doctoral programs, et cetera. Um, you know, I want to just go on a little side jaunt here for a second, based on what you just brought up. I don't think we've talked about this before in the series, but you know, you mentioned pastoral, which is part of the fivefold ministry that's spoken of in scripture. I think it's really important for people to know both, know what mountain you're called to, but also understand um, what what part of the fivefold ministry are you operating in? Even if it's not an office, like where you're you're mm-hmm. called a prophet or you're mm-hmm. called a teacher or called a pastor, you still kind of lean towards one of those five. Speak into that. Yeah, and we really have um, four, all seven of the mountains. Um, we have a kind of just obvious come to the conclusion there's one main um, manifestation of the fivefold ministry per mount. So, for instance, the mountain of government is an apostle. Um, for the mountain of arts and entertainment would be a prophet. And there's an explanation to each one of these. Uh, mountain of economy, prophet. Um, mountain of, um, of family, um, um, pastor. Know. Pastor. Yeah, mountain of family, pastor. Uh, we're doing this one. This is a teacher. Education teacher. And, and, um, and then I'm trying to go through that. Okay, mountain of media, evangelist. Now, how does that work? Just for example, Mountain of Media, why would it be evangelist? Evangelist is the word evangelist is good news. So someone called to bring good news. Did I forget any of the mountains there? Arts entertainment. Um, we have them all, all we have them all listed in the book on our chart. But what you're talking about too, where I want to oh uh, um yeah, okay, government apostle. I have them right here. What's the what's the list in front of me so I can see which ones I forgot? Media is You forgot arts and entertainment. Um and Prophet. religion. Religion, it, it's where it could be any one of the five, obviously. And that's where we traditionally think of the five. But what we're talking about, just kind of going in there a little bit, like knowing what your role is there, you could be on the mountain of economy where primarily, again, we say a prophet because a prophet is one who gets secrets from God, learns how to prosper. Even scripture talks about a prophet being one who assists in prospering. You look at the life of Elijah and Elisha and really so many of the prophets, they were able to discover treasures and, and make abundance come about. But you can be in a different role. You can be in a role in a company where it is a pastoral role with those type of, with that type of setting. So that's where we get this thing where we can say there is a, a pastor in education. There can be a pastoral presence on any one of the mountains, depending on on your role there. Mm-hmm. And there can, in essence, be a prophetic uh, role on any one of the mountains as well. So there's what primarily would be normal with what we call the, a prota- protagonist, one who's known for that. Like you identify an entrepreneur with economy, but then there's someone who's not really an entrepreneur, more uh, a manager, office, um, culture, a caretaker would be that, et cetera, et cetera. So, so back to the original um, example, if you are a principal, for example, on the mountain of education, then in in general, big picture wise, you're carrying or you're 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 functioning kind of in that role of teacher because that's the overall goal 
of the mountain. Instruction. Instruction. And um, ultimately, the fivefold ministry, like anything else scripturally, it's all given to us, not just to help us, but to help us make known God. And so God is teacher, prophet, apostle, like you can, you can experience the nuances of who he is in those, in each of those fivefold Mm -hmm. ministry. But if you're a principal on the mountain of education, as Johnny was saying, you're also going to represent the heart of God, that pastoral part of who he is, because you've got this flock of children that you're responsible for and accountable for. Um, so you see the new, I, I always think of it as kind of like in Revelation where it talks about the wheel within the wheel and it's describing mm-hmm. this this living creature in, in the mm-hmm. throne room, which everything in the throne room ultimately reflects who God is. God is a wheel within a wheel. I mean, just you look at that in nature, you look at cycles and seasons and there are there are cycles of the sun within cycles of the moon within cycles of the year, you know, it, it all is everything about life is set up as a wheel within a wheel. And like you think of a, the inside of a, of a watch that has, you know, a smaller cog that turns a larger wheel and a larger wheel. And one more aspect of that, that I just think is so incredible in the light, in the context of who is God, the knowledge of God is, um, we have partnered with Miladine Maddock, who has a ministry out of Switzerland, and he um, is a life coach, and he helped us create uh, on the Rise app. We have a, a diagnostic tool. It's a test that you take, and it it scores you and tells you what are the top three mountains that you're currently functioning in, and what are the Um, what is the face of God that you're called to reflect in that role that you're currently in? And so there, we talk about the seven faces or aspect of who God is. Obviously he's limitless in who he is, but he's given us these seven primary aspects or faces of who he is, redeemer being number one. Um, And on the mountain of education, his face is the face of God as teacher. Um, Media, for example, is face of God as communicator, et cetera. And so again, you see the wheel within the wheel. It's like these 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 faces of God. But he also, speaking of Miladine from Switzerland, he also helped us create an, another aspect to that diagnostic tool on the Rise app, which is um, based on the seven motivators from uh, Romans. Mm-hmm. And so you have exhorter, um, prophet, teacher. Um, Mercy, they're the seven gifts or or um, motivate things that motivate you in how you're personally wired. So literally, you could be on the mountain of education, walking in the the fivefold ministry as a pastor, and then you're personally wired. Your motivator, your primary motivator, is let's say mercy. And so it's just, it's super nuanced. We are super nuanced because he is super nuanced and how God uniquely wired you and the role that he has you in currently, which actually can change because there's seasons in your life. And we are constantly changing and reflecting these different aspects of who he is and how he is. But ultimately it all points back to some nuance of what he's like. So, um, I would love for us to kind of 
go into the direction of just for, for a moment, because we don't like to give a lot of attention right. to what the enemy's doing. But obviously, if we're talking about echoing a new narrative on the mountain of education, that means there is an old narrative that we have to um, rise up and dispel. So what is what? how would you describe the current narrative and the things that need to be dispelled through the mountain of education? Well, the basic narrative that has been being advanced by the enemy on the mountain of education really basically puts man where God's supposed to be. So it's a man-centeredness. It got really strong from Greek philosophical days, a few hundred years before Christ, I'm sure existed. We know it existed all the way from Lucifer because that's what he was. He tried to displace God. And so that's that's uh, you know what he's all about, and he brings it a you know in very he considers creative, sophisticated ways, and and all these isms, um, agnosticism, atheism, uh, mind of reason. All there's all kinds. Of, mind of reason doesn't is an ism, but there's all kinds of um, isms that come off of come off of that spin off that we won't um, go go down there. But all of them are designed to. Um, Exalt man, man's thinking, strong association with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was the original tree that brought down humanity, we'll say, yeah. where he, he made um, simple God truth look like garbage. And instead he brought in garbage thinking and made it look like it was awesome. Has God said? So he brought in the idea of questioning God mm -hmm. and exalting human mind, human capability, and that's where everything be begins to go wrong in a bad way. Yeah. There's just a reality that in recent years, we don't know how long to say because I've been doing it for quite some time, decades at least, that it has been, we'll say, a very intentional, um, intentionally targeted mountain by the enemy to advance the, ultimately, the depopulation agenda through the school system. That's what comes out in our, mm -hmm. um, whether it's exalting, confused gender roles and everything else that, that comes there. And, you know, we're not going to be able to contend against it by a half hour or even an hour Sunday school. That cannot be, you know, a son of God is trained for an hour on Sundays while then being trained for 12 to 15 years, essentially all day except for summer vacation, um, and being discipled. You know, we talk about it's important to be discipled and think of being discipled, what happens in Sunday school. You cannot turn over discipling to something that is run by a principality that is anti-God in core and expect us to be able to have uh, children that are reproducing the image of God and advancing the kingdom to the next level. So, it clearly is um, a mountain that has uh, has shown itself to increased importance in this time. Why I don't know what the latest number is, but it's it's over a million uh, uh, people that have pulled their kids out of school and decide, okay, we need to do the teaching and training ourselves. So. And I think that is at the the core of what we're talking about of the false narrative for many years now that has enabled everything you just described is, is the narrative that says, let us educate your children because you don't have time for that. And you have more important things to do. And we know 
how to educate your child best. And we know how to educate a generation for the purposes of our nation being a thriving nation better than you. And I think that is where it all went wrong because we, we, we not only handed our children over to the government to educate, because ultimately that's what they're doing. They've made the laws, the decisions, they pick the curriculum, they pick the, the, the teachers, they create you know, the, the regulations around mm. all of it. They're the ones that the teachers and the schools are accountable to. Even our private schools yeah. are accountable back to the government. They have to meet certain standards and criteria. So you, know, you have all of that and then it went, further to say, not only are we going to do a better job at educating your children, but, um, you know, we're, we're just, we're going to, we're going to get over into all of the things that really aren't even a part of your child's education, which is we're going to define to them what tolerance is and what compassion is and whether or not they should have faith and, you know, it didn't, they didn't stick to their lane. They did yeah. not fulfill the promises that I, I assume they made, you know, some of our forefathers. Well, we'll just, we'll help out with this because it's too much on, you know, whatever, whoever was doing it before. And no. that is the blessing of what just happened during the COVID years is, you know, true colors became known. Yeah. And, and many saw it and pulled their kids home and realized, I can do this and I am responsible. Now, none of that is to say that you shouldn't put your kids in public school. That is a personal decision. That is the point. And we're in a transition time yeah. of yeah. not knowing if it's going to be a good option in the future or not. Are we needing to literally pull all of our kids home or not? It's a personal des decision. And it probably depends on the school by school right now, you know? Well, for sure on that. And when we understand what's taking place in education, it's essentially been hijacked from its initial intent and purpose, which was um, instruction in the fear of the Lord. That's what the original um, purpose, even by those who were creating what we'll call education, for sure, once they got to higher education, founders of Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Ivy League schools, um, you'll find in their creed and in and, and their history that it was started by pastors, leaders of denominations, and they were um, that type of uh, individual. And it was to make sure their kids are instructed in the fear of the Lord as a foundation. So we see that it has been um, has been taken over, has been, as the enemy has done in so many institutions that even started okay in some kind of way, maybe even good, they they come in, they take control, and, and they then turn it into an instrument of darkness. And so we see that that's, um, that's what's, what's happened. So it's created, you know, the troubles that we see, but it's a, a tremendous opportunity now. We're waking up mm -hmm. to the realities. And so new, uh, new schools, new school systems, that's right. new curriculum, it's it's, it. yeah, new opportunities. It was overly simplistic to say, some of you may be thinking, yeah, I mean, when they took prayer out of school, that's when it all happened. Now that was probably symbolic of what they were doing. And so it was revealing in that kind of way, but 
it, it really doesn't matter if there's a throwaway prayer that you're allowed to God at the beginning of the day where you're going to receive several hours, whatever, five hours of instruction. If the gatekeepers of the curriculum are allowed to bring what is absolutely either communistic, um, leftist, disinformation, and mainline that to your kids. Just think of it as eating food. Just because you say a prayer, if you know that the food coming to the table is intentionally poisoned, has rat poison in all of it, yeah, it's it's good that you pray for it to start with, but there's a whole lot more that has to be processed, a whole lot more that a reformer has to think through how do we bring reformation to this area of society. Of course, that's, that's what our mm-hmm. assignment is, what rises, reformers influencing society every day. So we're not just campaigning how we can bring uh, an introduction, introductory prayer into school, right. and th- as if that's going to change because mm. the whole system has been um, penetrated, run over. Nor are we trying to just say what's wrong with the system and stop doing all of that, because the kingdom doesn't just displace darkness. The kingdom brings light, and so there is there there are better ways, God's better ways, His kingdom ways of doing education that don't overstep the boundary, you know, you can you can actually educate a child in the fear of the Lord. And when I think of fear of the Lord, I think of the awe of God, the yeah. awe of, wow, look what he created for us. And I get to spend years of my childhood discovering so many nuanced things that he put into motion in the earth. And you can do that without overstepping the bounds of forcing your faith on your children. They have to take ownership, but how can they take ownership of something that they don't even know is an option to right. take ownership of? So we're not trying to say we need to just, you know, the only goal is to get these kids saved. No, God God actually has incredible things and that's one of the core values of the Mountain of Education is that the way God educates us. Yeah. Think about it in your own life, the way God educates you is that he teaches you important things because you are important to him. And you're not, what what he's trying to teach you in your life right now is not more important than you are to him. Because of your value to God, he wants you to grow and learn more things. And that's how we're called to educate the children of each generation, is to help them understand that, you know, they're, they're so important and they're so valuable. And of course we know why, because they were made in the image of God, but they get the opportunity to discover that if we present information and the truth to them, um, in a way that allows them to connect the dots. So let's let you jump in on the things you want to highlight here. Well, so one of the things that we point out, I think when we go through the whole seven mountain um study on all these things these these conversations we've been having is and i don't know how many times we said it um but this needs to be said again if we haven't been saying it a starting point we found for all of the mountains on our assignment is not where you traditionally would think what's the what are the problems Mm -hmm. even though we may have mentioned some early on starting point is what elizabeth just said who is he who is he on the mountain of education who is he as teacher Mm -hmm. what is it um, that he reveals about himself through the scriptures, 
through the storylines that we can understand from Scripture about himself as it relates. So that becomes the important uh, matter for us as whatever, whatever our assignment, whether we're in the principal's in that office, in that role, whether we're the teacher at the head of a classroom, whether we are um, on the board put, of education, the, yeah, the board of uh, putting the curriculum together, mm-hmm. but the board of education back to, you know, one way of thinking there's, you know, some have said, even for our nation right now, if you control the board of education, you really can steer the whole country. And so there's an aspect of even the board of education it's on behalf of education, but it probably probably is a governmental assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those those crossover things um, taking place. So, you know, we, we go through the spiritual mapping kind of of every one of these uh, mountains, these areas of society, and just to mention a couple things because that information we're not just trying to spit out information that we can you can find by studying our resource. Um, but the principality, um, we, we talk talk about the principality, and we talk about the the demonic presence that's there. And on each one of the mountains, we've identified kind of one of the ites. You know, the children of Israel had to go to the promised land and there was the Canaanites, the Hittites, Jebusites, Girgashites, seven ites, um, one for each one of these areas of society. So the ite that's on this mountain, we've identified as the Amorite. And Amorite, um, you know, literally means to say boastfully. So that's why it was kind of a no-brainer, no pun intended there, no-brainer to say boastfully um, this is this is the enemy on this mountain. He works with the principality Beelzebub, who really traffics in lies. And so that's what the enemy does uh, on this mountain is lies, and they're specifically lies about God. But what we want to point out, what I want to point out about uh, this mountain, you know, we go through each one of these, and at some point you go, oh, that's the most important one, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's... They uh, all feel like the most important one. Mountain of economy, well, it's all about the money, follow the money. Mountain of government, oh, it's whoever rules and, and, you know, makes the rule like that and all that. And arts and entertainment, oh, it's actually, you know, the artists and and Hollywood that dominates the world and all that. But education is a a discipleship program that we all go through for most of our first 18 years. Mm -hmm. And and, and ultimately, when you even read scripture, we're always talking about Habakkuk Mm 2.14. What is kind of the end game? The whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. The education of him. We see the enemy came through, we'll say the education gate in the mountain, in, arts, uh, in, in, in the Garden of Eden, hath God said, challenged the education of God, the instruction of God, brought in his own counter wisdom. And so this would easily be also thought of as the most important is clearly the one that we're most saturated on grow, growing up. And, you know, Elizabeth, you can jump in in just a second, but a couple of back to this point of God as teacher, looking at him as teacher, because that's what we want to do is um, we really have nothing to advance on any of the mountains unless it's who he is, because that's the light we carry. We're not just anti-darkness right. or light. That's right. And so we have to think through that for a moment. What is what it means not to just be anti-something that's advancing there, but how do we carry who he is? And Not and, what are you against, but what are you for? Yeah. So we identify, I think even in the book, we probably identify about t- 10 characteristics of God as teacher. And so there's a couple, at least we'll see that I, I want to uh, bring in and you can comment on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it tied into something you were saying um, earlier as well, we're talking about 
Well, we were both talking about the principle being pastorally hearted because one of the priorities we identified in our own studying and writing the books and that we have on this is that what's unique about God in his approach to educating us is he considers us more important than what he's teaching us. But because we are so important, therefore what he's teaching us is super important as well. But you think through that, think through that if you're a teacher, think through that if you are someone developing curriculum, that he, a or God... you're a homeschooling parent. You're a homeschooling parent. Yeah. That, you know, he's not trying to make cookie-cutter individuals from everyone. Yeah. That's often what it seems like sometimes we're trying to produce out of Christianity is cookie-cutter individuals. and But we have a God... Um, you know, he has some set rules and set principles, but he takes an entirely customized approach mm -hmm. to how he teaches his kids. Think about it for all of us. He knows how we were wired. He knows who carries the most generational blessings, who carries the most generational challenges. And so only he can know what is the pathway, what is the way he draws out the best from someone. That's why that's uh, in short, what is the basic deficiency in, we'll say, a public school system that where you have one teacher looking out for 30, and it's like, apart from a lot of grace uh, of God on that teacher, there it's is... One size fits all. One size fits all. You just can't go with, like, no, you got to need to be a little more gentle with that one because there's a tender spirit there, and you can just snuff out that spirit. You better never... Let that person be embarrassed in front of the whole classroom. They'll never speak again. You know, those kind, those type, mm -hmm. those type of things. And so, but it's an important thing to know about our God that that's how he is. And it's revealed through the scripture. You see his treatment with everyone is, you, you look at some things don't even seem fair. There's like David, he has, you know, if you just go to the worst things he ever did, has an affair with Bathsheba. And so he has Isaiah eliminated uh, her husband, um, Uriah, the Hittite, actually. And, and, and yet you have somebody else at the same time just stabilize the ark was about to fall and he's stricken down. And you're like, wow, that seems unfair. But you don't know what God is looking at, at the, on the inside. And so he sees a man whose heart is continually, um, you know, the disposition of David's heart is towards him to the degree he says, he's a man after my heart. And David is you know, rewarded with all kinds of, um, to this day, city of David in Jerusalem, and Jesus was a son of David and all that kind of stuff. So that's just letting you know, we just didn't make that up out of the, out of the thin air, but you see it in, 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 in the scriptures itself, a God, even the way he, if you just go through how he, how he dealt with his own disciples, and some of it comes out pretty good in, in watching the chosen and, mm -hmm. and all that, but it's an important thing to know. If you have a call and assignment to be an instructor and teacher, that um, there is, and that's why the principal thing was like, yeah, hearts and hearts getting connected to their maker and staying connected to their maker for the process of a whole life. That's what you're about. You're a facilitator of that. You're trying to advance that. So in everything you do, you're not looking at... Um, you know, what do they call the tests at the end of the year, the outcome tests, basically? And it's like, well, exactly. we're in the 87 percentile nationwide or worldwide on mathematics. It's like, that are not, those don't register in, in kingdom in, in, in kingdom institutions. We'll say those aren't, those aren't the priorities. 
they may mean something to somebody and there's some value for it. But so that's just part of understanding how we approach even having an assignment in education. I only mentioned one there, but did you have, you jump in there on anything you're thinking if you have it, if not, I'll bring another one. Um, yeah, go ahead and bring another one. <clears throat> well, because I don't want to go a different direction. Than you're okay. And so one is customized approach. Another thing, he's amazingly patient. Um, God with our process, you just think about it. And he, ha he has the capability of knowing how to go after one thing at a time. And you can see that we have that basic understanding. It's like what a first grader, you expect a first grader to, you know, know one plus one is two and two plus two is four, uh, but he doesn't need to know what 113 times 78 is. And, and so there is what, what to expect at each, at each level. And so he's amazingly patient with us. He doesn't go after everything. You don't get frustrated uh, with a first grader because, because he doesn't, you know, know how to divide fractions. And so those are, those are important things to know, understand. Those come from him. That's his way with us. He doesn't go after everything. And we can think we've learned, all right, we got that lesson. Man, we're ready to be promoted to king or something. And it's like, um, really, it's just the next thing we're going we're gonna to give you uh, that. And so I put there, um, he is, as teacher, completely aware of our natural age as well as our spiritual age. And, and so that's what, that's kind of something only our teacher can figure out. That's why we want people filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we should have talked to him about him already. He's called our teacher, spirit of truth, counselor. We want teachers who are filled with the Holy Spirit and know how to lean on the Holy Spirit because that's how you're going to get the input, the understanding of, yeah, both of those guys are eighth graders, but that guy's spiritual age uh, is twice the spiritual age of that person. And so you need to be aware of that as you're giving your instruction, even as you're grading what they do, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, those are some things. Yeah, awesome. You know, one thing I wanted to highlight, um, we talk about, and you said this a few minutes ago, how, you know, ultimately each area of culture was meant to be a way that we would grow in the knowledge of God. So ideally, if education was done the kingdom way, God's better way, and some, some of the ways that you're alluding to right now that reflect who God is as teacher and how he teaches and instructs us, um, if they were done his better way, then we would, we would experience education in a way that helps us know who he is as teacher. Um, but when we don't do it his way, then we actually grow up at least subconsciously believing some pretty horrific lies about God. You mentioned one was that, you know, life centers around us humans instead of life centers around and all of creation centers around God, the creator. Um, one of the primary lies that that a bad education experience communicates to our hearts is this, that true wisdom is self-dependence. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, like you go through any level of schooling, and if you just go down to the absolute root message that you're getting is that you better use this information to figure out how to rely on no one but you. Yeah. You cannot trust anyone, impl implying you cannot trust God. 
and you better understand the mechanics of this, that, and the other, number one, so that you can provide for yourself, you know, get a job, um, and number two, because it's survival of the fittest with this human species, right? You know more, you're more educated than you're gonna go farther as a person. And, and the opposite in the kingdom is true. You know, we are our most wise self when we are completely and mm -hmm. utterly dependent on mm -hmm. God. Does that mean don't be, you know, don't be a hard worker and don't get an education and learn about things? Absolutely not. Because ultimately, if you understand everything that's worth knowing and, and educating yourself on is all sourced in the creator in God himself. So if you approach education that way as the person being educated and the person that's educating others, then you're helping reinforce the truth, which is you are wise to understand that God is the source of all of this. So is it better to, if you have to choose, is it better to know everything or know the one who knows everything? Right. And when you know who knows everything, then you're, you're learning based on a love for growing in the knowledge of God and, and your motivation is right. Um, and Good. then I wanted to point out uh, a little bit of what we touch on here in the Rise Handbook is the difference between um, knowledge, well, I'd say of good and evil versus wisdom. Wisdom is where we're wanting to take our children, not knowledge. Knowledge puffs up and um, feeds pride and arrogance and ultimate pride and arrogance is to think that you're the center of everything versus God is. But true wisdom is knowledge applied, knowing how to rightly apply what you know. So just knowing something for the sake of knowing it, which is pretty much how all of our school system is built. Like you memorize this, and you be able to spit it back out in the way we need you to spit it back out so that we can give you a grade and that's all that matters. We don't care if you grow up and leave here and you cannot function as a healthy person in society. Mm -hmm. You know, we just want you to perform well. And that message tells us that subconsciously, if there is a God, then all he really wants from you is for you to perform well. And that is the opposite of the heart of our God as teacher. Mm -hmm. He actually, he is wise, but he wants us to embrace wisdom as Proverbs spells out over and over and over again. He wants us to embrace wisdom because he wants us to know how to do life. Mm -hmm. It's like the instruction manual. It tells you how this, this world was created and the systems of this world, really the system of the kingdom, functions best. So if you want to get the most out of life the way God originally intended you to, then you need to know and understand this and this and this. And then here's what you do with that knowledge and understanding. You you use it to be uh, fully 
a, a full functioning, mm -hmm. healthy in every sense of the word human being. Yeah. Um, it's good. And so wisdom is just front and center. Now, would you want to comment into um, just the idea of there being absolute truth? Because when we talk about education, that's a big, a big place of contention right now is it seems to be that um, that those with an agenda use the education system to make children and young adults believe that there is no absolute truth, that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. Well, there's an aspect of this that uh, we could go really deep and it'd, it'd take a while. But of course, I think what everybody knows who's listening is there is absolute truth. There are things that are right, things that are wrong. And if we say they, the globalist, whoever, the enemy, is trying to um, erase that reality and say everything is this part where you just brought up, your truth, as if you feel it. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, the part that's simple to understand is if we get to establish your truth is based on what you feel, and then you put no limit even on when that starts for your age, mm -hmm. that um, we understand how foolish that is just from a baby standpoint, that um, if when a baby you know, needs to fill his diapers, uh, his or her diapers, uh, or wants to throw food at, if they get to be one and they want to throw their food at their mom, it's like, well, whatever they feel to do is right. That is the new truth. It is now right that, you know, and then it, you would never actually force uh, or encourage or disciple a child into uh, being potty trained because that is going against his, it always, we are for, it's never, they, they never just, oh, yay, I'm being potty trained. It's always against their will. So if, if you're establishing that we worship the will of somebody young and establish that as a new truth, it's just very self-evident that that is going down a path of error that there is, uh, you know, no hope, no hope for. And so, um, you know, I don't know where to stop on the discussion because it could yeah. go... Um, it, 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 it go into really some deep, um, deep, deep rabbit holes, but that's the, the, I think the central part, I don't know where else you want that. Yeah. Go I mean, I think with, with absolute truth, first of all, there is an absolute truth and no one but God has it, you know, Yeah. no one but God has it. And so again, it comes back to humanism. The world centers around us versus the truth is the world centers around God and if he is the one with absolute truth, then all eyes on him. And, and he's the source of everything that we need to know. I am the truth. Exactly. Said. He is the truth. And so what is that? How does that play out in a classroom? I think when a teacher, an educator, um, or a homeschool parent, when you understand there is absolute truth, then you you help your child embrace the journey of discovery, knowing that there is a good God who has hidden truth for us. And it requires that we search it out. Um, and then that provokes and encourages curiosity and it, it leans further away from Yes, there are some things that you do need to memorize and you do need to be able to spit out. You gotta know your times tables. You gotta know, 
you know, how to read, just basic reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? But after that, I think a child is uniquely wired to have a bent towards a fascination, an awe, a fear of God in a certain direction. And you want to, you want to encourage that. Um, I think God does that with us because obviously he knows us perfectly. So he says, I've hidden this out here for you and I want to reveal an aspect of my truth through you and your life. And I want to, I want to do life with you in a way that you get to discover that mm -hmm. with me through the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. There are so many nuances to it. Well, and, and on that, you know, there's a reason why it, it gets... If we go deeper in the discussion, why, you know, Christians can also often be blamed, you know, a fundamentalist is a dogmatic, um, has the right answer for everything. And, they, it, you know, and so that becomes a problem. And we think of the Pharisees and how Jesus had to challenge them because they were such legalists. And so how do we stay out of legalism mm -hmm. and yet embrace truth? So because to give a maybe an easier to see example, you know, say four plus six is always 10, no matter what the individual student feels like. And so it's, dog, it's a dogmatic answer. Four plus six is always 10, no exceptions. And it doesn't matter if the student, oh, today I feel like 11 is a better answer. No, there's no, well, let me pray about it. I just, I prayed about it and I felt like 12. No, it's 10. And so there are matters in life that are just four plus six is 10, right or wrong. But then we have nuances. We have we have four daughters. We raise them, and so depending on their personality, they misbehave. They're age ten, and depending on who they are and how they're wired, is even okay. What type of correction? What type of discipline? And so there are some that that goes back to what we we're saying before. He knows the customized approach. So in his customized approach, yes. He's not the dogmatic, this is how I do with every one of you. So that's why we might struggle with even verbalizing how to do this in the right, right way. But it, the answer is never just to turn it over to the person, the child who has been untrained and say, you get to just wake up and decide what the answer is, what number you want it to be, what your gender is. Uh, does God exist or not exist? There, there are the four plus six equal 10 foundations of life that have to be recognized, have to be embraced. And then, yes, in the other, there, there are some, it's not that they're gray, but they're, we'll say, negotiable depending on uh, how the spirit of wisdom is leading um, in dealing with that person's heart. Because that's mm -hmm. the thing. The consideration of the person's heart is why you can't just same approach every time. So anyway, we're covering several aspects. Yeah. There. One of the things that we touch on here also is um, just, you know, encouraging children in their love for learning. And I, I love how we said it here. Um, teach your students that the goal of their education is not to be smart or even position themselves for a successful career. The goal of education is to discover our place in God's world and heart. As we discover our place in his world, our heart is then able to connect the dots and understand our place in his heart. Um, you know, I homeschooled for 18 years. 
um, our daughters and we also had them at different times a part of different homeschool groups and um, programs and um, one of them spent several years in public well I think a couple of years in public school and then um, several years in a private Christian school so we kind of experienced a, a lot of different aspects of education and I can tell you the one thing that I wish that I had done differently is what we kind of said from the beginning is helping mm -hmm. our children experience me as the one that was representing the face of God as teacher to them, helping them experience it in a way where they truly believed that they were more important than what I was trying to teach them. Mm -hmm. I felt so much pressure and I want to speak to this for those of you that are educators, whether you're educating your own or children um, or you're helping your children with their public school homework. You are an educator either way. You're involved yeah. in your children's education. Help them understand throughout all their years of education, whether you're dealing with a college student who you're frustrated with their grades and you're paying a lot of money for them to go to school or you know, you're the one doing the educating, help them believe in the core of who they are, that they are so valuable, they are made in the image of God, and that their process of learning is, is important to God because they are important to God and they're important to you. And it's such a nuanced difference. Um, I also think that it's super important to give them a positive enough experience. And I believe the way you give a child positive experience is the way you just said, you're patient with them. You, you figure out their unique learning style and you cater to that. If they're more right-brained or left-brained, you, you work with, with the way God wired them, their strengths that are already there. And then you, you, you help them with the areas they're weak in, know how to cover for their weakness mm -hmm. and not connect fear and shame with the areas that they're weak in. Mm -hmm. Like we all have, you're either really, you know, you grew up and you're an adult now who can't stand anything related to the arts, you know, cause you were embarrassed by it and you felt bad about it. Or you, the whole math science side right. of things, yeah, you know, it's usually one or yeah. the other, yeah. you know, and one makes you terribly stressed over the other. Well, it's not that you're supposed to ignore that weak part. You're supposed to teach them how, like, what, what can you do to compensate for that and not take it on as an issue with their identity, you know? Yeah. But back to what I was saying, that just the most important thing is to help them learn to love learning. Yeah. And I do feel like we got that right in yeah. homeschooling. Um, you know, we're seeing it in different degrees and different ways with each of our daughters, but they, they, we're given really rich reading materials. Mm -hmm. We had a ton of books available and we made a lot of time for them to read and listen to books. And fortunately, except for the youngest, they, they were pretty much raised without um, a lot of technology. Yeah. And I think that, that that has become such a distraction, mainly because technology, this is a little freebie here if you haven't heard this, you know, when you're constantly scrolling and you don't have to dig and like sit and and have a long attention span to absorb something and to to have time to kind of meditate on it then you get this constant adrenaline drip where your dopamine you're getting a dopamine hit over and over and over again because 
oh, I discovered something new. Oh, I discovered something new. And that need to discover something new is a gift from God, but we were not meant to deplete our dopamine resource in our body over and over again, just like that. And so not only are you, you're, you're, um, you're training your brain to only be able to pay attention to something for just a very short amount of time, but you're also depleting your dopamine. And so then you need more. And yeah. so then you become addicted to your device because you need more and you miss out on the rich, um, the richness of poetry and, um, you know, a classical education. Mm -hmm. I feel like for the most part, we were able to give them a classical education. We insisted that, that, up to a certain point, they um, pick something musical, whether it was an instrument or singing, um, and they they stick with something long enough to feel semi-proficient with art. You know, we would have them do different art classes and stuff and make sure it was a positive experience and not embarrassing for them. Um, none of them were really geared so much towards sports, although a couple towards the end were doing competitive cheer, which is a form of sports. Um, but, but we did, you know, they leaned more towards like wanting to do dance classes and that kind of thing. So classical education is more just holistic in, in giving them a taste of everything and then helping them discover their area of passion and then letting them fully pursue that. Um, so, and we know, I mean, we know how wearisome it is to be with your kids for so long. I, I personally chose to homeschool because I was a third grade teacher for one year. And that one year, I felt so overwhelmed with the responsibility of being the number one influence on these children's lives for an entire school year. It dawned on me as a 23-year-old, um, fresh out of college um, teacher, it dawned on me, oh my goodness, I am spending way more hours a week with each of these kids than they are their own parents. And it hit me hard. And that's kind of when I just kind of made this inner vow, like, I don't want that for my kids. I want to be their number one influence. And um, so know who is influencing your kids, you know? That's really good. And I do think we haven't um, even had a pre-discussion about this, but I do think, I know right now we have this tendency towards homeschooling, which I think important because of the corruption, the rot of the education system. But I think we are going to go into kingdom schools. Yeah. Um, part of that's what we need the reformers exactly. for. Where, um, you know, a parent, because either too many children, um, for all kinds of different reasons, it, it just is more than they can do. Mm -hmm. It's not their area of grace to, to teach. And, and some of you maybe are having to do that right now, feel like it's not your area of grace, but it's like, I cannot put them out there. And it's not just um, Christian schooling, because that's Christian schooling has been so much about, we're going to be the disciplinaries, make them keep the rules, make them yeah. behave. It's just like an extended version of, of legalistic church. It, it is. Yeah. And so that's not what we're talking. We're talking about kingdom schools is with, you know, we're, we're just discussing some of the aspects yeah. that we're, that we've learned that are in our in our resource and some of the ways that he would teach and how just just you can imagine just the uh, the few areas we've mentioned of 
uh, the customized approach to the child and, and really wanting never to lose connection with the heart and, and where they are more important than what's being taught them and creating an environment where the learning is, is fun and where it, it, it leads them to want to dig more and go more. Again, the, the problem with the phone thing is it's reward with no effort. Mm -hmm. It's just doing this. Mm -hmm. That's not, we're not wired. Uh, to anymore. search out. Yeah. It's like if you can imagine in sports, if somebody just wants to, hey, I want to be on the football team and whatever, they're way out of shape. They can't run, whether they're too big or too thin or they have no resistance. It's like you, you, we are wired even to appreciate having to give some effort mm -hmm. and then there's a reward for that right. effort. And so this thing doesn't, doesn't work for that. And so there is uh, learning. I do see, like you said, with our, with our kids, they, there is a love for learning and they know they have to look and study and give time and listen and, and, and dig in. So all these things I do believe um, uh, are going to be what are showcased in, and I think there's just going to be a great increase of, and some of you who are listening are called to be those who develop these kingdom schools. Um, that's not just for your, your family, but that your guidelines are so in line with the kingdom of God and what we're talking about, where someone actually grows in knowledge of God and expands their character, develops tools for functioning in the real life um, and, and in the real world. And so that this is going to just be a tremendous blessing for, for so many. And we're just, you know, kind of ground, ground zero at getting started with yeah. this because we've had thoughts of escaping and getting out of here and not that kind of thing. And so we need it at Maybe every the level. Church, the yeah. church, yes. And he, we, there's so much that God is doing behind the scenes right now that I believe is going to become more and more on the forefront. I'm hearing of, we hear from all kinds of educators that have new curriculums they're working on, new schools that are popping up. Um, I know for us, I just um, am in the process of finishing up um, with an editor, a RISE kids curriculum, and it will be perfect for homeschooling. You can use it as a family yeah. devotional. You can use it in private Christian schools. Um, and then in time, uh, there is going to be a curriculum that's a seven mountain curriculum that could potentially even be used in just regular schools that, that isn't, you know, pushing God, but it is done a king. It's king. It's education done the kingdom way. Um, so we're excited about what's on the horizon for education and those of you that are intercessors, really all of us, Jesus taught us to pray Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we we say your kingdom come, your will be done on the mountain of education, yes. in our education systems. Yes. And, um, you know, there's a generation of kids that are fighting for their lives right now and they don't even know it. <laughs> and we have to have hopeful eyes when we see them and we see the influence that they're under and know that, you know, I believe as they rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem, they had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. And God anointed them supernaturally to build, to rebuild while they were fighting off the enemy. And he's anointed um, us and our kids 
to do the same. And it's going to require both. We have to fight off what the enemy is doing right now while rebuilding um, these systems, such as the education system. But uh, God God has the solutions and, and we can't access the solutions when we don't, first of all, know we need them and that he cares and we can go to him for it. And he will supernaturally set you up with favor. I'm hoping that um, our follow-up interview to yeah, this right. um, on someone you should know will feature um, someone that I've, I've requested. I'm pretty sure she'll say yes, but um, someone I want to interview who's going to teach us how to get involved in a school board, because that is so critical right now um, to know what difference you can make. I would assume that many of you that we're talking to no longer have children that are in the education system. You're a little bit older um, and you can actually make a difference in the schools in your community right now. And so I'm hoping that that interview will be something. I know it'll be good because we're, we're going to make sure that whoever we have on there will be someone that will really help equip you further on echoing a new narrative on the mountain of education. Well, I think that's good. All right. You want to pray? Sure thing. Let's do it. Lord, we just thank you again for what you're doing in our day, in our time. And Lord, this season of a total extreme makeover mm. for all mountains, every area of society. We're in the a transition of the ages, Lord, and, and nowhere will that be felt um, so strongly as in the mountain of education, Lord. So we just ask that you would encourage those who are watching, listening to this, that you will stir up these new kingdom reformers, whether it's for their own children or for many children. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, put a fresh fire in whoever is watching, listening at this time. Lord, just release um, from heaven that which is your inspiration for this time, for this day, your solutions, your presence, your answers for whatever the enemy is attempting. We're not going to continue to just exalt and magnify what the enemy is doing there. We're knowing fully well who you are, your greatness, and you're the bigger than God. Whatever the yes. challenge, whatever the situation, you have the capabilities to make a really fast-forwarded advancement of your kingdom out mm -hmm. of every mess. So we thank you that this is a time for that. Let there be encouragement to your sons and daughters, fresh anointing to them yes, now, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Lord, those that um, have taken wounds from mm. um, this area of culture and how they experience the education system, God, we ask that you would just reveal yourself to us as teacher, even though we're not in that education phase of life anymore. Would you replace the lies that we potentially believed about you because of all of the things we went through in our education process. Yeah. And would you restore back to us um, the joy of discovery and learning and growing? And would you allow us to see you rightly so that we can, when we do speak of who you are in this area of culture, we reflect you rightly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. See you next time on Up for Discussion. We're going to be going over echoing a new narrative on the mountain of government. Yeah.